The following book is called Gleaning from the Inner Life of Ruth, Brian 18.22. And the reason that I wanted to narrate this morning is that I am teaching on Wednesday nights at the church a class using as its basis Archibald Alexander's thoughts on religious experience. And we're in chapter 3 on the new birth. And I wanted to look at a few examples of conversions where there was somewhat of an awakening for a length of time prior to their conversion. And part of the reason I want to do this is I want to establish that from a bystander just uh, reading a diary like this, I don't think that a person would know at what point she passed from death unto life. I mean, there's so much about the feelings in here and determining of if the feelings are evangelical or are they legal and servile. It'd be very hard to do, but I'll start with the diary. Of Ruth Bryan. 1822. I'm going to aim at keeping a kind of diary to write down my feeling, thoughts, and the occurrences of the days as they pass away, in hopes of finding it beneficial. May the Lord grant his blessing. Sunday, September 1st, 1822. Attended the 7 o'clock prayer meeting this morning for the first time. The affectionate prayers which were offered up for my dearest father affected me. They May they be answered. I seem to have some feeling about divine things, but alas, this afternoon I am as stupid. And remember, they use that to speak of the obduracy of the heart, the senselessness, the inability to feel as they suppose that they ought to feel. So she says, may they be answered, seem to have some feeling about divine things, but alas, this afternoon I am as stupid as usual. Nothing, nothing will break this hard heart. Well, at this point you have to say, how do you know that your heart is hard except you are feeling it? So the very fact that you are aware that the heart is hard has some obduracy, has some insensibility. It's pretty good proof that something above mere nature is going on here. Well, allow me to just read it. It has been abused. I feel this evening I cannot tell how I know not which way to turn. Oh, that I may be directed by the Spirit of Truth to the right way of happiness. Monday, the second. Have spent this afternoon at a friend's. Alas, alas, I have still to mourn my insensibility to serious things. Indeed, I seem not to have any desire. And then a note from the editor. Reader, this may appear a strange expression from a quickened, living soul. And I would have to say maybe this editor is assuming that she is quickened and a living soul already. But he says, but have you known nothing of having been brought so low under the power of unbelief and the entanglements of worldliness, carnality, and sin as to be brought to halt, to hesitate, to doubt? And in your inner heart to sigh, for even a desire after spiritual manifestations and such tokens of mercy as you had once hoped were yours. Was not the prophet here when he said, My strength and my hope is perished from the Lord? I fear that I am not affected as I ought, and I have, continuing the diary, I fear that I am not affected as I ought, and have only a faint desire to become a Christian, and that merely to escape. Hell. 
Lord, have mercy upon me. Lead me aright. Break this hard, hard, hard. Well, let's take a look at that. It is right to not see Christ merely because you are afraid that you are going to hell. In other words, she's afraid of only legal motives to come to Christ. But it's this line here, break this hard, hard heart. Now, does a person who is only seeking Christ because they need an insurance policy, they are afraid of going to hell, do they really, my question is, do they really show compunction and mourning for the hardness of the heart? I mean, that's the very dialogue, if you ask me, in a nutshell, of what Paul is saying in Romans seven fourteen to 25. I have this law in me that when I would do good, evil is present in me. And he is definitely complaining of a hard, hard heart. And the people that misinterpret Romans 7 really do not give due weight to the fact of man's innate enmity, that hatred of God, that hostility to God, an enmity of God that a man is born with, that would make it impossible for that man in a natural state to say with any degree of compunction and conviction, I delight in the law of the Lord. In it do I meditate. It's the same language of David in Psalm 119. And Paul uses that as well. He says, for his delight is in the law of God as well. Let's Read those verses and meditate upon them for a moment and then turn back to what Ruth is expressing in her diary and see if we see any kind of parallel in the language. Paul says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal sold under sin. For that which I do I allow not, for what I would that do I not, but what I hate that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. Now how can he say he is not the one doing it if he is still unregenerate? He, the unregenerate does sin willingly, volitionally, with desire, and as a servant to its master. But when you start to use language like, now then it is no more I that do it, there's something else going on there that's warned against that sin that dwells in me. Verse 18, for I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwells no good thing. For to will is present with me, that's the new man, but how to perform that which is good, I find not, that's the struggle. For the good that I would, I do not. That's the lamentation. But the evil which I would not, that I do. What are the motives for him not wanting to do the evil? Why he would not do it? Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, the new man, but sin that dwells in me, the remains of this law called indwelling sin. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Isn't that the language of David in Psalm 119? But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Verse 23. 
A wretched man that I am. Oh, I'm wretched. I have a hard heart. I have a mourning heart. I have that I am aware of that wars against that which I really desire. And it is a war. So he says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. The new mind. He's expressing what was the promise in Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34. Verse 31, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, and this is what will happen. Verse 33, But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts. It's written in the hearts. How is it? It's written in the heart, and the new man now has a nature that wants to carry it out. And he says, And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me. Those that are in this covenant to a person shall know him. From the least of them to the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and will remember their sin no more. Returning to the Diary of Ruth, Brian, September 3rd, 1822. I have been more light and trifling than usual today. I not only indulged a worldly spirit, but encouraged and courted it. How have I to lament every day my sinfulness? I am afraid I have been in some measure trusting to what I hope to do. But the more I strive to do something acceptable, the shorter I come. I know the right way, but find it hard to depend only on Christ and to exercise faith. I have no faith, no humility, no sense of sin, no confidence in the promises, no fear of the threatened punishments nor anything that I ought to have. Oh, what a picture. This evening, heard a sermon from John 2, verse 11, but alas, felt next to nothing. Oh, Lord, break this heart into 10,000 pieces. Oh, I would sooner suffer all horrors and tears imaginable and be saved at last and be in my present dreadful and obdurate state or stupid state. Break. Break, oh break my heart, and make me give it entirely to you, O blessed Savior. I just don't think that that kind of language can be uttered from somebody that is still innate enmity, total enmity against God. Break, break, oh break my heart, and make me give it entirely to you, O blessed Savior. The lamentation is... The law requires you love the Lord with all your heart and soul and strength and mind, and she was aware within her person that she was not doing that. And this is a language you call upon the Lord. You have to ask, you have to seek, you have to find, because any ability to overcome these tendencies and to live a life of evangelical obedience has to come from without us, from the Spirit. It can't come even from the renewed man. Wednesday, September 4th, Ruth Diary. This evening have been to a friend's house. 
No profitable conversation, nor did I wish for any, but joined in the nonsense and seemed almost to forget I had a soul. What shall we say to thee, things? Every night I have to look back upon a day spent in folly and sin. Alas, I fear, and with too much reason, that I never felt the plague of my own heart. Oh, for all the sorrows imaginable, sooner than indulge in such wickedness. Lord, forgive and rouse me from this worse than death. Oh, what a hypocrite I am. Friday, September 6th. Went with Miss B. this morning for a walk. Enjoyed it very much. She seems to think there is good hope, even for me. Surely I have not deceived her. I think I told her all I felt, but hope and encouragement seem almost impossible. I have been informed by one of my companions that Miss B. has with pain observed in me a spirit of censoriousness and sneering. I sneer. The last person in the world who ought to do it, feeling so guilty myself. I am afraid I did not receive the reproof in a proper spirit, but felt hurt as it came from those younger than myself. Lord, subdue the abominable spirit of pride which I feel, and enable me to overcome the censorious looks which are observed in me. Sunday, September 8th, evening. I have enjoyed or understood a little of what has been delivered today, preached today, taught today, but now it seems to have gone from me, and I am the same stupid creature again. Oh, how long shall I groan under this worse and Egyptian bondage? Oh, that I may be enabled to look to Christ for deliverance and to wait patiently his good time. You know, that's what's so interesting about this awakening. I'm not going to say dogmatically I know where she is in this awakening. I don't. But I compare it to John Owen's work on the forgiveness of sin and, as I said in the past, Dane Ortland's book, by comparison and contrast, that somebody who is under awakening and really receives a spirit of adoption and really receives a witness that they are, in fact, the children of God, may have to, quote, to use her words, wait patiently his good time, end quote. It just seems that false conversions have no desire to wait. In fact, false teaching has no desire to wait. I mean, this is what we are discussing here, even in our Reformed Baptist circles. So I revert back to a Sunday School series that Albert Martin did in 1987, around February of that year, on dealing with our spiritually awakened children. And he wisely says that parents must exercise a caution about the natural desire to see their children saved, that they don't take any decision made by the child in the past or any kind of a, quote, crisis experience that doesn't manifest itself in present fruit. Parents really want to know their children are saved, but you're not helping them if you assist them to lay a foundation on the sand. And in the old conversion stories and in this diary, what you do feel here, what you get the sense of, is that the person who goes on to have a strong assurance and a godly life in these days, and I've read enough of them, 
Know that the foundation is dug deep before you lay the foundation of the house, and that's what I think is going on here. Returning to the diary, September 10th, Tuesday. The day has passed as usual. We have little variation, and my feelings vary almost as little. I am generally as cold and dead as the stones in the street. This evening, heard a sermon from Psalm 50, verse 13. Felt a little encouragement to hope that I should sometime be delivered from my burden of sin. But then, when I thought of feeling what was said and looking upon myself as a sinner, it came into my mind, Oh, you hypocrite, you whited sepulcher. From where this charge proceeded, I do not know. Well, it can't be the Holy Spirit. It only could be the devil, because he's the accuser of the brethren, not the Holy Spirit. If he has begun a good work in you, he does not say yea and nay. He says yea and amen forever. Returning to the diary, Saturday, September 21st, I have this day been rather more still than I am sometimes, but must take shame and confusion of face to myself. For all the events thereof, O Lord, make me humble. And allow me not to depend upon anything it is in my power to perform. Oh, keep me humble. Keep me from self-deception. Begin the good work if it is not yet begun. It's like she's quoting John Newton's hymn. Tis a point I long to know. Oft it causes anxious thought. Do I love the Lord or no? Am I his or am I not? Believe me not to this insensibility, she says. What argument can I use? Oh, leave, leave me not. Allow me not to perish. Mercy, mercy is all my plea. For Christ's sake, have mercy on me. Oh, precious, precious Christ Jesus, be my Savior, husband, friend. My Jesus and my all. Jesus, Jesus, oh, that you were precious to my soul. Editor's Note. To a mere novice in divine things, and I would say to a mere beginner in experimental Christianity, that which can be felt, or speculators in religion, these heart exercises would appear strange and anomalous. But by such as have been brought into the school of Christ and are set by the divine teacher to the study of the human heart, the struggles, the contention, the warfare between flesh and spirit, that which is from beneath and that which is from above will be perfectly and practically understood. Quote, October 25th, my dear father has been severely exercised with pain. For five hours he endured such agony as he never felt before. My distress during that period was such as I cannot express. The fear that I should soon lose such a dear parent and the misery of hearing his groans without being able to afford relief exceeds all I have ever felt. But thanks be to the Lord, my father is fast recovering. Here is cause for a fresh Ebenezer. Oh, I can never be sufficiently thankful. O Lord, grant that both my dear parents may be spared many years, unworthy as I am of them. So allow, if I may, me to move forward in this diary. Now we're at January 4th, 1829, and closer to the commencement of what she called her conversion. We don't know exactly for sure, only God knows that perfectly. 
but it is at least educational. The first Sunday in the year 1829 finds me having made but little progress in the ways of God. Still, still I am halting between two opinions. It seems as if I could not give myself up to the Lord. May grace be given to enable me to do so, and the close of this year find me united to him in an everlasting covenant. April 5th, oh, that the Lord would be pleased to imprint gratitude on my heart for the mercies with which he does favor me, and make up every deficiency by bestowing on me a new heart and enabling me to devote myself to his service. I long to come out from the world and avow myself a disciple of the Redeemer, but alas, I am persuaded that I never felt the regenerating influence of divine grace, and still has a dominion over me, and I can truly say, the more I strive against his power, I sin and stumble but the more. I do wish to resist it, but have such an evil heart that at times it seems my element. Gracious Lord, deliver me by your almighty power, for nothing short of omnipotence can rescue me. I have been much exercised lately about the Trinity, and have no experienced friend to open my mind to in whose judgment I could confide and who would meet my difficulties. Perhaps the Lord himself will be my teacher. I wish to examine the subject in humble dependence upon him. May 24th. This has been a Sabbath of much darkness, and deservedly so. For during the last two days I have sinfully indulged in building castles of worldly happiness. I've been hewing out to myself cisterns, broken cisterns, which could hold no water. Though at the same time my conscience told me I was wrong. How then can I expect comfort in religion when I'm seeking it in the world? I'm now plunged in gloomy doubts and dejection. My sin weighs heavily upon my soul. I am bereft of hope and afraid to pray, because I have sinned presumptuously and contrary to much light and knowledge. Oh, when shall I be enabled to give my whole heart to the Savior? Well, if you're unconverted, you haven't given any of your heart to the Savior. You are still actually at war with him. You have your dukes up ready to fight in your affections. The very fact that you want your heart renewed and you want to give your whole heart to the Savior, these seem at least to me to be the pantings of somebody who has been brought from death unto life. But let's read on. Descend, O divine spirit, renew my heart, and give me strength to mortify and subdue the lust of the flesh to which I am now in subjection. How miserable is my state at this moment, my inward corruptions and the enemy of souls are strongly urging to sin and indifference. While conscience and past experience amply testify that sorrow and distress will be the sure consequence, Lord, deliver me from this bondage. July 5th, Sunday. I trust I can say that it is my anxious and chief desire to be found walking steadily towards the heavenly Canaan. But alas, I am so distressed by the powerful corruptions of my wicked heart that I often fear I am going the downward road. I can truly say that when I would do good, evil is present with me. I am at this time in a state of much anxiety about my immortal interests. I began to read William Romaine's Life of Faith. I feel much interested in it. 
and see more of the nature of faith than before, but find myself lamentably deficient and think that my lack of this precious faith in the dear Redeemer is the cause of my overwhelming distress. Oh, that I could view him as my law fulfiller. Holy Spirit, be pleased to open my eyes to see clearly the finished work he has wrought out. Be pleased to grant me a sweet view of Jesus as a Savior who is able and willing to save all who come to him and enable me to come to be ever coming in the midst of all my darkness. Oh, grant me faith, strong faith. May I every day live nearer to you and be more weaned from the world. A hunger and thirst after righteousness and such you have said shall be filled. Lord, may I be constantly looking for and expecting the fulfillment of your promise. Amen. July 6th, my birthday. 24 years have I sojourned in this wilderness and find additional proof every succeeding one that this is not my rest. The last year seems to have passed more quickly than any other in my life. Oh, that I may be enabled to devote myself from this time to the Lord. Dear Jesus and Eternal Spirit, graciously enable me to do so and seal, oh, seal my wandering heart to things divine. May I come out from the world and be separate and be able to say, all is well, whether you have ordained life or death for me during the next year. Editor's Note. The reader is especially requested to observe the ardent soul breathings of the beloved Ruth of faith. Constantly she cried through these pages, Lord, increase my faith. And to every unprejudiced mind it will be obvious how graciously and condescendingly the Lord answered this her prayer. During the latter years of her life, faith in its simplicity and its power shone so conspicuously in her whole character and conversation. And we'll end this podcast here. And I will probably take up this diary again on Wednesday night when I teach on Regeneration Chapter 3 of Archibald Alexander Thoughts on Religious Experience and get into diaries like this so that we can examine what are the fruits, the inward fruits, the groanings, and the renewal of the new man in Christ. I don't think we have these kind of conversations a lot in our day. Uh, at least not at the level I think we need to. This is the voice of the narrated Puritan, TMS, Owensboro, Kentucky.